everyone and welcome back to the Football Trigger podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well, that's a nice haircut. Cheers. On today's podcast we'll be reacting to last weekend's Scottish League Cup results and also the English Premier League results. We'll be discussing all the latest transfer news from around the globe and at the end of the podcast Pierce will be given a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be reacting to last weekend's Scottish League Cup results. So I'll just uh, just run through quickly all of the results. So um, Rangers 2, uh, Morton 1, Airdrie 3, Ross County 4, St Mirren 1, Motherwell 0, uh, Livingston 2, Air United 0, Hibs 2, Rafe Rovers 1, Hearts 4, Partick Thistle 0, Kilmarnock 1, Celtic 0. So Pierce, which match stands out to you from last weekend's Scottish League Cup results? Uh, no, for me, the it's going to be the big upset of uh, Kilmarnock 1, Celtic 0 at Rugby Park. Um, having watched the game live, um, I thought Kilmarnock set about their game plan spot on and you can see why they're unbeaten so far in all competitions in, in the league and in the, the League Cup group stage. Um, they're just so resolute and obviously the, the rugby park surface plays a part like the plastic pitch but you can't say that about Celtic from last season because they literally scored nine goals in their two two matches there conceding zero. Um, but under Brendan Rodgers it's, his sides in the past have struggled because he likes to play that kind of slow, expansive football. And um the physicality of Kilmarnock, they just they just couldn't handle it in terms of just putting their bodies on the line, blocking every shot, clearing it, um, and then just kind of just wave after wave of attack. But it was quite easily dealt with by Kilmarnock because it was quite slow and methodical. Um but no, and obviously Kilmarnock took one of their only chances and uh, I don't really recall a save to make from the Kilmarnock goalkeeper at all. Um, but obviously with obviously Celtic get some key men out, but you still expect uh, with the lineup that was given and then obviously the, the subs that came on that the they would have enough um to see the to see the game through in, into the next round. But wasn't to be, but there was obviously some debatable calls in terms of like um, VAR, VAR decisions in terms of offsides or uh, penalty claims but regardless I thought Celtic were um, far far too pedestrian and um, probably 9 or 10 maybe even 11 players were just well off off the pace and uh, Kilmarnock thoroughly deserved our victory Yep absolutely um, that's also my match that stands out from this weekend in the Scottish League Cup um, so just obviously Everything you just said about Kilmarnock, I'd, I'd, I'd repeat as well, you know. I felt, in my opinion, they, they deserve to win. You know, I felt they were really well organised. Um, you know, they took a chance. I mean, they didn't have a lot of chances in the game, but they took it. Um, and they really did shut Celtic out. Um, and didn't really, weren't really threatened by Celtic for the whole, whole match. Um, but I've got to uh, add a bit Kilmarnock's start to the season. I mean, it's been, it's been brilliant, you know. Beat Rangers in the first game of the season. Went to, went to Hearts at Tincastle and got a 0-0 draw and just beaten Celtic 1-0 in the Cup. Um, so it's been a fantastic start for Kilmarnock this season. Um, and, uh, you know, the early signs for them is that this could be a really, really strong season for them. 
if they can continue this kind of run of form. Um, so congratulations to Kilmarnock, first of all. And then just touching on Celtic, you know, again, everything you said I'd agree with, you know, a very poor performance, um, you know, very, very slow in a kind of build-up play. Um, the, the, the one thing uh, I, I came out with Celtic is the fact that I don't really see any signs of build. Like, I don't really know what way Celtic are trying to build up the play. You know, there doesn't seem to be any real patterns at the moment. Everything seems to be, I think, I think a lot of the players are still getting used to the fact that there's a new manager now, Brendan Rodgers, and, you know, under Ange Poglu, there was a certain style of play that the players played, but under Brendan Rodgers, it's different. So I think the players are still getting used to that at the moment, um, which is kind of, you know, I think everything's just a little bit confusing. Um, obviously, injuries as well for Celtic are quite a big thing for them at the moment, you know, uh, the two centre-backs for Celtic at the weekend were Narofke and Agus um, Lagerbeck and they two have just come into the club and they're playing with each other um, so uh, things like that you know don't really help Celtic at all um, and yep that's Celtic now out of the cup uh, the first time of asking and you know their chances of a treble are gone um, so I think for Celtic as well uh, I think Dennett McInnes, the Kilmarnock manager, touched on it, is that the Kilmarnock team seem more settled at the moment than the Celtic team, which I kind of do agree with. You know, it feels like Kilmarnock have a team and everything's settled and, you know, there's not players that are leaving. I think they've got all their business sorted. Whereas with Celtic, it, it's not. It's all players. It's all kind of up in the air. You know, players could still be leaving. They still, Celtic still need to sign players. So it's definitely going to be an interesting next few days. Uh, for Celtic in terms of coming into the end of the transfer window to see what happens. Uh, so that's my standout result at the weekend. But I just want to quickly add about the Airdrie first county result. First county won that match 4-3. Um, I didn't get to see that. I don't know if you did, Pierce, if you've seen any of that match, but that definitely seemed like a an amazing amazing match to watch. Um, so uh, we also have Scottish teams playing in European ties this week. Um, so just before we get into these results, uh, these matches that were played, firstly, we need to say uh, congratulations to all the Scottish teams that uh, got through to the next round. You know, I called last week that they would all get through, and that's what they did. Um, so uh, the the matches that, uh, in European ties that were played this week include Rangers versus PSV, uh, Hibs versus Aston Villa, Hearts versus PAOK, and Hacken versus Aberdeen. So, Pierce, how do you think these teams will perform in this week's European ties? Could be a very tough ask, but um, they've done tremendously well getting this far in the, in the playoff rounds, and um, I hope all four teams go through. Um, firstly, touching on, we'll start with the Rangers versus PSV. It's a mammoth tie. Um, it's the repeat of last year's playoff rounds while Rangers... Um, Got a two-two draw at Ibrox, and then against all odds, one-one-nil at in in Holland, and uh, I don't think anyone called that, and um, because the amount of money that kind of like, um PSV spent last summer, they 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 just they just basically thought that they were get it was a given right that they would get into the Champions League, but that wasn't to be, and um obviously this season's a bit different for Rangers because 
bit like Celtic, they've got a lot, lot of massive rebuild they've done already, and they've not really hit a full full flight so far. Because as you see at the weekend, they struggled against uh, Green at Mott in the League Cup. And most of the side that was played in that match was arguably probably their strongest side. So it's going to be a tough task. But I do I do feel that Rangers need to win the first leg. I, I don't think a repeat of last year will happen where they'll go away from home and win in Europe. I feel as if you need to have a, a, some sort of advantage to go over to Holland, to, to hold on to and uh, hopefully hit them on the counter-attack and nick a goal. Um, but if I'm going to call that, I'd probably edge towards Rangers and I'll probably say 2-1 Rangers because both sides are quite evenly matched, I would say. Um, and obviously PSV are a very strong uh, outfit in uh, Dutch football. In terms of Hibs, Aston Villa, it's the John McGinn game. He's he's uh, he's coming he's coming back home. <laughs> uh, I do I do feel Hibs have been obviously we've, we've touched on terrible domestically, um, but in Europe they just seem to find another level, and you just you never you just never know. Um, but with the side that Aston Villa have assembled, um, just won four 0 at the weekend, um, against Everton, and they they looked like some some scintillating stuff at times. And obviously, probably the, the main man they've got now is probably Musa Diaby. And obviously, with Unai Emery at the helm, he's basically expected to win a European trophy. So it's going to be a, a monumental task. But I do think Aston Villa will have a bit too much for Hibs. I think that could be um, 3-1 Aston Villa. I do think Hibs will score. But I do think it will be more a, a welcoming for John McGinn. In terms of Hearts and Palk, uh, Salonica, um, Hearts again, fantastic uh, comeback against Rosenberg in, uh, last uh, last week. Um, Cammy Devlin with a double, um, the one on the 92nd minute. Uh, absolute scenes at uh, Tynecastle. We called that before the game that Tynecastle would have to be a 12th man, and it certainly was. It's a hostile atmosphere in Rosenberg. Used to be a Champions League side. They've got a great European pedigree, and that is a mammoth skill. And um, I do think, obviously, Polk. I wouldn't say they're a bigger outfit, but they're like a decent Europa League side. Um, and also this is the Conference League, but I, I do feel as if Hearts will just have a bit too much for them. Uh, I'm going to go with three-one Hearts. Uh, I think they could just get bold on that. And every week I see Hearts, they're just getting a wee bit stronger and stronger. Yeah, so I'm going back hearts for that one. And in terms of hacking versus Aberdeen, I, I don't know too much about the Danish side. I uh, haven't really seen them play, to be honest. But um, Aberdeen, I've been thoroughly impressed by them. Even last weekend, um, or two weekends ago, um, when he played Celtic in the opening day of the, the SPL season. Although they lost 3-1, they had numerous opportunities. And um, at the back end of last season, I was thoroughly impressed by the job that Barry Robson has done at the helm um, as caretaker now full-time manager. Um, they're very organised, well-drilled, and they, they offer some nice attacking football. And obviously, Duke and Mjofsky and um, a few others have supposedly the, the permanent sign of Leighton Clarks as well. So they've some talented players and obviously the experience of Graham Shinney and stuff like that. I've been impressed with Aberdeen. I think they're solid defensively. That was what was the problem was under Jim Goodwin. But they've also now get more of an attacking threat. Um, and I do think I'm going back 
Aberdeen to win that one, two one. And that's uh, my preview for the, the European ties. Yep. <clears throat> uh, thanks, Pierce. And yeah, I'll just kinda quickly run through um, my kind of preview. So Rangers PSV, obviously I uh, uh kind of repeat of last year uh, when Rangers famously got through into the Champions group stage. Uh, you know, I'd agree with you, Piers. I think Rangers are they're at home um to in the first leg. I really do think they'll need to win this match. Um you know, because I think going to PSV away will be really tough for them. I don't think they'll win away in Holland this time around when they did last season. And, you know, I don't say, I wouldn't say PSV are as strong as last year. You know, last year when they played Rangers, they had the likes of Xavi Simons, Cody Gakpo. You know, these players aren't at um, PSV anymore. So, um, PSV aren't as strong as last year, but they are still a very good side. Um, so, um, my prediction for that match tonight, which is play, getting played tonight, by the way, at the time of recording this, uh, I'm going to say 2-1 Rangers. Um, I think, uh, you know, their home kind of form will, will kind of get them through that. And then, you know, it's all to play for um, next week in Holland. So 2-1 Rangers for that match. And Hibs versus Aston Villa, you know, that's the one ma- that's the match I'm, I'm most excited for. You know, that's going to be so interesting. Uh, you know, as you said, it's the the John McGinn match, so to speak, you know, coming back to his former club. Um, but although Hibs, you know, they had a really good kind of tie against Luzerne uh, and they got through that, I just think Aston Villa are just going to be too strong for them. You know, Aston Villa are the, the probably the favourites to win the Conference League this season. You know, um, and you look at the squads compared to, to Aston Villa compared to Hibs and it's you know it's night and day you know Aston, Aston Villa have top top class players that play international football um, but Hibs you know Easter Road you know they, they can you know they can they, they could pull out a surprise you never know you know uh, you know Hibs will be really really up for that match you know they, they'll want to test themselves they want to prove themselves that they can compete against these top top teams but I'm going to say what you said, Pierce. I'm going to go with three-one Aston Villa. Um, I just think Aston Villa will have too much for them. Um, but what a tie for Hibs, and you know it's going to be a really, really good match to watch. And then Hearts versus Pyot Salonica. Uh, you know you touched on it. Uh, what a result for Hearts last week. Uh, a last-minute goal to send them through. Um, you know it was a really good comeback. And um, this Pyot Salonica side, I'm. I, I'll be honest, I don't know too much about them. I know they're from Greece, and I know teams in Greece, you know, they're quite good sides. They are really good sides. Um, so Hearts are obviously at home first, and I think they'll need to win that match by at least a couple of goals. Um, you know, because I think going to Greece away from home, I think that'll be really, really tough. A uh, really hostile atmosphere. Um, so I'm going to say, I'm actually going to go 3-1 Hearts for that match. Um, you know, I've, I've got just with the, the fact that it's Tincastle, you know, I saw it last weekend as well that, you know, Hearts really put in a really good performance and they're really capable. Um, so I'm going to say three one Hearts for that match. And then lastly, um, Haken versus Aberdeen. You know, I think this is a Europa League to get into Europa League this match. Um, and I think it's a, such a good tie for Aberdeen. It really is such a good opportunity for them. Um, you know, they're obviously playing away from home first. Um, so I think Aberdeen's mindset will be, 
stay in that match, whether it's a draw or, you know, even if we lose that match, as long as they can get that match back to Petrodri, still in the match or even winning the match. So, um, but I think Aberdeen are capable of doing that. Um, for that match, I'm going to say 1-1. Um, and I think that'd be a really good result for Aberdeen to take back to Petrodri. Um, but, yeah, so just rounding it all up, you know, it's really good to see, by the way, all these Scottish teams in the kind of last rounds of uh, the European competitions, you know, not, we haven't said that as much over the years, you know, it's, there's not been a great Scottish representation, it's always just been Celtic and Rangers, mainly, so it's good to see all these teams in kind of the last rounds of these European competitions, and it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, so, we will now move on to reacting to last weekend's English Premier League results. So, again, I'll just quickly run through them. So, uh, Nottingham Forest 2, Sheffield United 1, Liverpool 3, Bournemouth 1, Wolves 1, Brighton 4, Fulham 0, Brentford 3, Tottenham 2, Man United 0, Man City 1, Newcastle United 0, Aston Villa 4, Everton 0, West Ham 3, Chelsea 1, and lastly, Crystal Palace 0, Arsenal 1. So Pierce, which match from last weekend's Premier League matches stands out to you? Well, I went with uh, Wolves 1, Brighton 4. Um, Gary Neal's done tremendous job last season when they took over um, under trying circumstances at Bournemouth. And he's done. He's got the same again this time at Wolves, who, like you say, Lopetegui left the position because he wasn't given any funds, and he just that's what he's got to to try to stay in the division. Um, but I think Gary Neal's a top class manager. And they were un- unlucky. They were unlucky to not take anything from Old Trafford a few weeks ago. Um, and I feel as if. Brighton under the Zerbi are just getting stronger and stronger. They've just sold Caicedo to Chelsea for £115 million and they just look stronger. Um, and the manager continues to impress me. He's a Caro Matoma. I think the boy is absolutely electric and he's scintillating at times. The way he just kind of dribbles with ease. He can just he just takes any one. There's like no fear. And as a and and as he just wants to take one a man, there's no getting the ball and just passing it backwards. He's always positive. He's wanting to go forward, and they've just got a young side that he's exciting. But obviously, this this summer they've kind of brought in a couple of experienced heads. I think like the signing of James Milner's a masterstroke because you offer that experience, but obviously the versatility can play in a variety of roles. And a man that has played through divisions for Brighton uh, was a standout for me at the weekend. Was a uh, solid march as well. I think a lot of people would probably thought he wasn't good enough for the Premier League, but the back end of last season and he started the season again uh, on, on fine form and obviously the big man up front, Evan Ferguson, along, alongside Danny Wilbeck and that young man is destined for greatness and I, I feel as if, like you say, the experience of a, a Danny Wilbeck who's been through it and seen it all at, at elite clubs and Arsenal Manchester United will offer that experience to the younger players so I think they've got the right balance and like you say, the scout network they get as well, just bringing in I can be a better talent. I just, I, I just love to watch them, and um, they're, they're just one of the most exciting teams to watch in the Premier League. And as a neutral, it's just it's beautiful to watch. That's how the way football should be played. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, you know, Brighton is one of one of the, the standard matches at the weekend. You know, what a goal McComas scored as well. That was a fantastic goal, probably the goal of the weekend. Um, but my standout match is different. I'm going to say the Tottenham to Man United build result. So the reason I go for that game is because I just think that was the thing of the first time the Premier League cannot got their eyes open to the way Ange Postacoglu wants his teams to play. Um, you know, me and you, obviously, watching Scottish football and stuff, we know kind of a lot about Ange Ball. So uh, for the Premier League to see it, um, I think that was the first time they really saw, you know, what this Tottenham team could be capable of under Postacoglu. You know, I thought they were, I thought they were brilliant Tottenham on the day. You know, really put Man United under a lot of pressure. Um, you know, the Basuma was brilliant. You know, he was really, really good in that midfield alongside uh, Papi Sar. Um, and uh, yeah, I think the Ford deserve to win the match. Uh, you know, and I think Tottenham fans should be really excited. You know, there just seems to be a really good energy with Tottenham at the moment now. Now with the kind of Harry Kane saga over, you know, this new style of football that's more energetic, that's more positive. Uh, you know, I think Tottenham fans could be really excited this season. Um, and then just kind of briefly touching on Man United, you know, it doesn't seem to be all kind of right at the moment. You know, I think they've got a lot of issues in midfield. You know, that midfield doesn't really seem to be set up right at the moment. Um, you know, I think they're leading the strikers as well, Man United, because they did have chances that weekend as well. Um, but that that is my standout match um, from the weekend. Um, I just want to briefly touch on the... Uh, uh, West Ham Chelsea result as well, you know, a brilliant result for West Ham. But in terms of Chelsea, although they did lose the match, you know, there seems to be a lot of good signs there that it's a team that that's going to keep on improving this season. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, so my standout match for the weekend is Tottenham to Man United now. Um, so coming up next, we'll be discussing all the latest transfer news from around the globe. So, um, uh, you know, one of the signings from uh, this week so far is um, from Liverpool. So, on the 18th of August, Liverpool announced that they had signed midfielder Wataru Endo from Stuttgart for a fee of about £16.2 million. So, the 30-year-old from Japan has agreed a four-year contract with the club um, and he made his debut at the weekend as well. So, Pierce. What's your reaction to Liverpool signing Bataro Endo? Fantastic for in terms of Asian football, in terms of the the Japan kind of, uh, region, because obviously having watched him a lot play for the national side, I think he's a phenomenal player. And I think he's a, a player that was under the radar. Although 30 years old, it's taken him a while to get to that elite level. But he has been a consistent performer over in... Um, Japan first and then over in Belgium at St. Truden. Um, and then now he was in the Bundesliga with Stuttgart and he was a captain um, and he was a leader and he was the man that kind of the, enf- the enforcer, if you will. And now he'll be getting that Liverpool midfield and he- he'll be the light flight replacement of like, Jordan Henderson. But I do think he'll- he has, he's still- even though he's, only th- he's 30, he'll have more legs than John the- Jordan Henderson and he's a uh, Arguably better at breaking up the places, like a combination of like, like 
a Fabinho and a Henderson. Obviously, I'm not saying he's that level that he's two players in one, but he will add more solidity to that midfield because obviously they've signed um, Alexis McAllister and Dominic Shobosley, who are a bit more attacking minded. So they need someone that can just sit, dictate the play, break up the play, and um, just support that back line because. Um, as you know, Liverpool are free flowing, they're attacking fullbacks, and even at the weekend, um, Trent Alexander Arnold's getting caught out quite a few times making mistakes. So you might have to do a bit of covering for Trent when he goes forward. They might have to cover a variety of positions, but it's, it's a very good signing. Um, and I think it's a practical, more a practical signing for Liverpool, but a top signing. And uh, I'm excited to see how he'll do in a Liverpool shot. Yep, um, I totally agree. Um, you know, like the thing with with Tarawindo is that you know I think when it was kind of the news broke that Liverpool were going to sign him, I think Liverpool fans when you know they weren't excited because you know he's not that kind of with Tarawindo isn't that kind of player that you know he's known worldwide and you know because he didn't cost as much and because of his age, you know I think Liverpool fans when you know. You know, really excited about it, but I think he's. I think it's a really good signing. Um, you know, I, I know a little bit about him. I've heard about him before. Um, but from what I've heard from the Bundesliga, he's a he's a top top player. You know, being the captain of Stuttgart, who are a massive club. Um, you know, uh, you know he's um he's had countless games in his football career already. Um, you know he looks really good in that kind of middle of the pitch. Uh. I don't know if he's going to be the replacement for, you know, as you said, Henderson or Fabinho, but um, I think he could very well, could be because, you know, he really looks a, a really good player. Um, you know, I still think Liverpool will probably need one more midfielder um, in that kind of setting of the pitch, um, you know, just to kind of add more, a bit more to their, to their midfield. But I think it's a really good signing for Liverpool, um, you know, signing a captain. Um, from a Bundesliga club, you know, it's, it's it's a really good bit of business for them. You know, didn't cost a lot of money, as well. So a really good signing uh, for Liverpool, um, and yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Endo performs at Liverpool. Um, so Pierce, is there any other transfer news that you have been following recently or this past week? Yes. So the one that I've kind of been um caught my eye was um. Pablo Otavio from Porto to Al Nassar for sixty million euros. Um, I believe it's a record sale for FC Porto. Um, and obviously he was originally born in Brazil, but obviously he now represents the Portuguese national side. Um, brilliant attacking right winger. Um, for Porto, you've seen him in Champions League against top sides. And I guess Scottish side because uh, Rangers played him a couple of years ago as well, and um, Porto always kind of do well. So I think he's 28, 29. So it's like it's a great signing, but it's another top talent um, leaving Europe to go to uh, Saudi Arabia and obviously link up with his uh, national teammate in uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, so that's the kind of one that I've kind of kind of seen because obviously you see the Portuguese league getting that sort of fee for a player. And obviously, I'm not comparing, but obviously, you see, uh, obviously, Jota leaving Celtic to uh, Al Etihad for 25, but you just kind of, and he's a bit younger as well. So, but no, 
but great, great, great bit of business from Porto yet again. Another side that just has great conveyor belt, similar to Benfica, where they just get massive fees for their top talents. Yep, uh, I did see that as well. So that is quite that was quite a big bit in transfer news in the Portuguese league. Um, the one that's kind of caught my eye recently is the situation surrounding um Kieran Tierney. So um the last two Premier League matches that Arsenal played, uh, Tierney's been left out of the Arsenal squad. Um, you know, when Liverpool played last uh, sorry, when Arsenal played last night, uh, again Kieran Tierney was left out. Um, you know, it looks like that Tierney's going to be moving on in the next few days or so. Uh, you know, apparently Bial Sociedad are linked with Keane Tierney. Uh, you know, they want to sign him on loan, but uh, Arsenal are insisting that uh, it has to be a permanent deal. Um, you know, Celtic as well, you know, the links for Celtic aren't really going away at the moment. You know, that's quite an interesting situation to see if Tierney might return to Celtic. But, um, you know, I think with Tierney, you know, it's it's not good for him to be left out of the squad. You know, I think it kind of says a lot about the fact that he has to move on now. Uh, you know, I think he's too good to be not included in squads. And, yeah, that's just been kind of catching my eye recently because, you know, he's he's not playing and, you know, it does look like he's going to be moving on. So I think in the next few days or so, I think the situation with Keane is going to be, be dealt with. And I think we'll, we'll most likely see him moving on to a different club. Yeah, um, so yeah, that was. I, I think again. Touch on the Tierney. I, I just think he's too, like you said, he's too good a player to be sitting in the bench, not even on the bench, on the stands. And obviously, it's not just for his career, but obviously, he now seems to be injury free. And but it's a massive thing for Scotland as well. He needs to be playing football regularly. And obviously, he's at age 25, 26 years old. He should be getting coming at his prime. So. For me, he deserves to be so much better than, than just rotting the reserves. It's obvious Arteta just doesn't rate him at all. Um, because otherwise he would be playing him. Because for me, he can play in a variety of positions at centre back or wing back or left back. And he's at times played for um Celtic and Scotland at right back as well. But um not very interesting saga to see I, I, for the sake of his career, he, he needs to get out of there. Um and obviously like you said, Newcastle has been been um, named in the past. Obviously, you said Sosha and, and obviously the return to Celtic. Well, for Brendan Rodgers came back this summer. You, you just never know. But, um, but for the sake of his career, he just he just needs to leave, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's time for Tierney to leave as well. Um, and yeah, that'll definitely be sorted, I think, by the end of the transfer window. And, you know, we're kind of, again, week by week, we're approaching the end this transfer window so it's going to be interesting to see who leaves and uh, what's club sing who so yep we'll be there to cover it um, so for the final part of the show Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. yeah so we're going to kick off with some J League 1 action um, so on Friday the 18th of August Avispa Fukuoka 0 Alvarez Nagata 1 uh, Urawa Red Diamonds 1 Nagata Grampus 0 which I talked with the table clash and it's saw um Urare Diamonds close the gap on Nagoya Grampus. So on Saturday, August 19th, with Kashima Antlers 2, Sagan Tusu 1, Basel Kobe 1, Kawashiro Racial 1, Gambo Saka 2, Shona Bermia 1, San Fetchi Roshma 3, Kawasaki Frontali 2, uh, Kyoto Sanga 3, 
Hoikido Kinsado Sapporo nil. Yokami Mariners two. SE Tokyo one. Sunday August twentieth. Um, Yokama FC nil. Cerezo Osaka one. And that's leaving the table looking like this. So at the top of the table, Yokami Mariners who have now leapfrog Vassell Kobe for the first time this season and are now back at the summit having won the league last season. Um, with just 10 games to go, it's uh, all to play for now. Um, so Yokamers are top of the table, 24 matches played, 50 points. Right behind them, they've got Vassell Kobe on 48. And in third position, we've got Nogoya Grampus on 45. And in fourth position, we've got Uwe Diamonds on 41. So at the bottom of the table, it's, it's just as tight. But Shona Bermier, bottom of the table, 18th position on 17 points. Yokama FC on 17th position on 18 points. And 16th position, Kawashima Racer on 19 points. So moving on to the K-League 1 action. Uh, Friday, August 18th. Um, Sue won, Samsung Blue Wings won, Jeju United won. Uh, Jeju sorry. Um, I've got a match report on that on the Football Trigger website. Check that out. Um, Inter United 2, Guangzhou FC 2. Saturday, the 19th of August, uh, Gangwon FC 1, Suwon FC 2. Ilsen Hyundai 1, Jumbo Hyundai Motors 0. FC Seoul 2, Diga FC 2. And then on Sunday, the August, 25th of August, um, we have Poang Steelers 4, Dejan Hana Citizen 3. So that seems to be the, the match of the weekend there, 4-3. Really good, exciting match there. So leaving the table look like this. At the top of the table, we've got uh Ilsen Hyundai on 60 points from 27 matches played. And then you've got Poang Steelers on 49 points in second position. And in third position, we've got Jumbuk Hyundai Motors on 41 points. And in the fourth position, we've got FC Seoul on 39. And then in fifth position as well, we've got Guangzhou FC on 39 as well. It proves to be a costly result the weekend uh, for FC Seoul. Um, We'll touch that on a wee bit later because uh, their manager's uh, been uh, resigned. So, yeah. So, at the bottom of the table, we've got Gang 1 FC on 20 points uh, in 11th position, which Suwon Blue Wings on 22. Now off the foot of the table, having won at the weekend. And uh, Suwon FC on 10th position on 26 points. So, moving on to Asian football news. So, Saturday 19th of August, Following FC Seoul's 2-2 draw at home to Daegu FC, manager An Ik Su has resigned from his post. Um, FC Seoul appointed Kim Jung-kyu as a caretaker manager. Um, so, Jürgen Klinsmann's position as head coach of South Korea is under severe pressure, less than six months into his tenure. Um, no wins in his four matches have been played, no equipment to Korean football and having Zoom press conferences with the Korean media team from the US. Um, the only way he could turn this around is to win football matches, simple as. Uh, also, the Asian Cup in January in uh, 2024 has to be a priority, but the Asian Cup is never easy to win for any manager. Uh, most of all, he needs to show commitment to Korean football, otherwise he could find himself out the door. Um, Young Klinsman has responded to this criticism in the Korean media. Unlike in the past, now I can check the status of players through the coaching staff, even when I'm not in Korea. Wherever I am, I work as the manager of the South Korea national team. Um, the KFA have announced that South Korea will play a friendly against Saudi Arabia on the 12th of September at St James's Park in England. 
A home friendly against Tunisia on the 13th of October has also been confirmed. And South Korea will also play home friendly against Vietnam this October. So City Football Group have recently held talks with multiple K-League One clubs, including Jumbo Hyundai Motors, about acquiring shares. City Football Group, who already own Yokohama F. Marinos in Japan, New York City in America, Melbourne City in Australia, Girona FC in Spain, Mumbai City in India, Montevideo City Torque in Uruguay, as well as Manchester City in England. City Football Group are now looking to add a K-League one side to their growing list of clubs owned across the globe. This could be very beneficial for both clubs as the next generation of Korean talent could be snapped up by Manchester City either to compete in the first team or sent out on loan to other teams in the City group. For the K-League One side, they can also get loans of talented academy players in Manchester City or other teams in the, in the City football group. Exciting times. Obviously, money to spend in the domestic league to make them the dominant force by buying the best players possible. And that is all your Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel and also the Football Chuggy website. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye.